0: Father, as we come to look at what Mark wrote in your word tonight, we pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us to see and meet Jesus as he died on that cross for our sins. Amen. Well, as I started to uh, look at this reading uh, we have in front of us, we're in Mark 15, which you'll find on page 1022 of your Bibles, I wondered, what does Easter mean to us today in the UK? And of course I did what every good and right person does in our our age. I thought, I'll Google it and see what I come up with. And I came up with the following comments by anonymous people. Uh, Easter is the time for holidays, festivals, a time for giving chocolate Easter eggs, wrote one person. Another person said this, we're off to St. Ives Cornwall for the Easter week. We go prepared for winter or summer weather. Whatever the weather, there's so much to do and see, we come back invigorated and refreshed. As for the meaning of Easter, we ignore that our spiritual needs are well catered for by the splendor of the coastal scenery, the movement of the sea, and communion with nature at its best. We marvel at the hand of physics rather than the hand of a Godhead. Another person wrote another bank holiday. Cars clogging the roads, towing caravans at 40 miles per hour with huge tailbacks. And as I read this, I wondered, well, what does Easter mean to us? Well, it's Palm Sunday, isn't it, today? It's Palm Sunday where traditionally we remember the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Jesus on the way to the Passover ceremony. So, well, this year, the church's lectionary has given us this reading in Mark 15, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. So, if we could have the first slide, Andrew, please. Thank you. Um, so, let us tonight then consider how do we respond to the death of Jesus? What's this passage tell us about this man, Jesus? And how do people respond to him? As I was thinking about this, the words came into my mind from that musical hit of the 1970s when I was a somewhat younger man, Jesus Christ Superstar. It said this, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, who are you? What have you sacrificed, Jesus Christ Superstar? Do you think you're what they say you are? So who is This man, Jesus Christ. And what's our opinion about him? Because if we accept what the Bible states, it's the most important question facing everyone. Because our eternal destiny depends upon our answer to this question. Of course, here, sitting here tonight, for many of us, we've read this passage many times. We've been to church at Easter many times. And it's difficult to come afresh to this event the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. Well, it's a dark time, isn't it, in the life of Jesus and the history of the world. But it also points us to the time of hope that comes from the resurrection of Jesus a few days later. But it does raise the question, who was Jesus? Why did he die? And why did people respond to him in certain ways? And so I've got three questions for you tonight. What does this passage tell us about what Jesus says about who he is? How did people react to Jesus? How did people react to Jesus? And thirdly, what do we believe about Jesus and his death? And what's the challenge for us this Easter time? Well, a bit of background to start with. It's a long passage, so I'm not going to ask you to look in many other places, but if you went back the previous chapter, chapter 14, you will have read how Jesus had been arrested by the crowd sent by the chief priests, the head of the Jewish religion in Jerusalem. Mark 14, verse 55. We've got the trial Of Jesus before the Sanhedrin. They were trying to look for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many people came and testified against him, but their statements didn't agree. And so they even turned to false testimony to try and convict him. And finally, in chapter 14, verse 61, we read that the high priest asked Jesus, "'Are you the Christ?' And Jesus affirmed this as stated, that he was the Son of God. So what then does Jesus say about himself? Well, Jesus speaks to us both through his actions and his words, And if you are familiar with the Bible, if you're not, do take time over this Easter time to read one of the gospel accounts all the way through. Because there you will find the character of Jesus coming through strong. He was a compassionate man. He healed people of their medical conditions. He raised people from the dead. He healed the blind. He spoke words of wisdom in his teaching. He was generous. He cared for the way that he treated the Samaritan woman caught in adultery. He showed his power over the natural world by calming the storm. And then through his words, we hear of him challenging the religious leaders and the people in their understanding of what God requires of mankind. He challenged them in their understanding of God and their relationship with God. And so we get this in chapter 14 that he says he is the Son of God. And if you read John's Gospel, chapter 13, you will see more of Jesus' claim to be one with the Father. He clearly teaches his disciples that this is his real identity. Jesus was making himself equal to God, what the chief priest described as blasphemy. And within the Jewish law, this is the sin worthy of death. So Jesus, by making this claim to be the Son of God, challenges the people of his day and the people from this point on in history to respond to this statement. Because if Jesus is equal to God, a part of God, then mankind must make a response. He must make a response. Mankind has been given by God free will. And man can believe this or not believe it. It's up to them. But if the response is belief, then this will lead to further actions. And so as a result of Jesus' claims, the Sanhedrin declares Jesus deserves to die because he claimed to be one with God, the Son of God. But the problem for the Sanhedrin court was it didn't actually have the power and authority to carry out capital punishment. Only the Roman authorities could do this which is where we come into the story tonight at the beginning of chapter 15. So what then are the reactions of the people around Jesus at this last stage in his life here on earth that we see in chapter 15? Well, firstly, we see the chief priests, don't we? Now, we see here through their actions that Jesus was a man who was important enough to take the time of important people. Look at verse 1 the chief priests and elders were prepared to stay up all night to hear witnesses against Jesus, chapter 14, verse 53. And this lasted right through to the early morning. And we have read in chapter 14, the false witnesses brought to the court. Now, these religious leaders were determined to have Jesus killed because they were jealous of him. Because he challenged their position with regard to their religion and power base. Because Jesus claimed to be God. And so they resorted to false witnesses. Jesus, however, displays his strength and confidence in who he is. Because he fails to respond to these claims and accusations of these religious leaders. He remains silent in front of them. Of course... We, in our age, have a strong sense, don't we, of our human rights in our society today. And our natural response to accusations against us is to resort to aggressive defence. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do that. You can't say that about me. Prove it. Well, in contrast to these natural reactions, Jesus remains silent. He doesn't react at all. He doesn't actively defend himself against their accusations. No, he is silently quiet and confident in his own position and his relationship to God. Of course, Jesus knew of his up-and-coming death because he'd already prepared his disciples for that event. If you look back in Mark chapter 10, verse 33 to 34, you will read this. Listen, he said, we are going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and teachers of the law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days he will rise again. Now, do you see the strength of Jesus here? He told his disciples that this was what was going to happen to him. And yet we see here that he willingly goes forward with this plan. Remember, as the Son of God, Jesus could have called upon legions of angels to come down and defend himself against those mere men. The religious leaders, though, are strident in their demand for the death of Jesus. They work the crowd. They work Pilate. And we see here in this event the power of jealousy and the power of the evil one. That these men could be so consumed with hatred that they were prepared to put to death a man on the base up of a trumped-up charge. Doesn't this horrify us? It goes against our feelings of fairness and justice. Their jealousies drive them on to hate and kill Jesus. So that's the uh, chief priests. The second person we see in this account is Pilate, the political Roman leader. Now through the New Testament, we see that Pilate is somewhat of a weak man. He wants to keep the peace with his Roman bosses and the religious leaders of the occupied state. Pilate recognises the truth about Jesus, that he's done no wrong. That Jesus is a man of extreme importance, therefore he calls him King of the Jews. But he's also cynical, because we read in John 18 that he states, what is the truth? He questions the whole notion of truth, but he also wanted to avoid trouble for himself. So he's willing to sacrifice an innocent victim to keep the crowd and the religious authorities happy. So he gives over Jesus to be killed. Now, of course, with hindsight, it's easy, isn't it, for us to judge Pilate and to condemn him as a monster or a wicked man. But we need to examine ourselves. How often have we agreed with the crowd, gone along with our peers and cultural norms and not stood out for Jesus and his teaching? Often it's easier not to say something, not to stand out to be different as followers of Jesus. And we need to take on those words of Jesus, don't we? Whoever has not sinned can throw the first stone and be prepared to take up our cross to follow him. Remember, Jesus stated that the disciple is not above his master. What his master experiences, his disciple will also experience. So Jesus was rejected Falsely accused and killed. Can we expect less if we follow him? Thirdly, in this account, we meet the soldiers who had the task of physically killing Jesus and implementing the judgments carried out by Pilate and the Sanhedrin. What do we say about the soldiers? Well, they would have been a group of hardened men, probably from outside of the local area. They'd been brought in by the Romans to keep the, the local people suppressed. And what do they do? Well, they make fun of Jesus, don't they? They join in the mocking. They dress Jesus up in royal garments. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they poke fun at him. They mock him. But we read in verse 39 that one of them the centurion realises at the end of the crucifixion that Jesus was truly the Son of God. Probably through the way that Jesus died, his manner, his control and his lack of anger. Fourthly and lastly, in verse 13 and verses 29 to 32, we meet the passers-by, the ordinary people, the robbers, all of whom insulted Jesus. They used Jesus' own words to mock him, the people, through their own free will, had turned against Jesus and mocked him, taking responsibility for his punishment. Such was the response of the people who had lived through the times of Jesus' ministry. If you had been with us this morning, you'd have heard how the crowd had said, Hosanna to the king, as Jesus had come into the, uh, the city of Jerusalem. A few days later, they mock him and they take him to be crucified. And these local people were strongly influenced and led by the religious leaders who urged the crowd on to call for crucifixion. Well, I wondered, do we see a similar response today within our society? Are we being influenced by the media, by the fashion gurus of the time? Is there indifference and rejection of Jesus? Well, I believe that we have a real need, don't we, if we're Christians and followers of Jesus, to introduce people, not necessarily to the church, but to the living person of Jesus. A man who has all the characteristics that we saw earlier. A man who was a part of God. A man who died on the cross, taking the place for all of us for the punishment of our sins. People today need to meet Jesus. They need to hear his word, see his actions, and that can only happen when we're prepared to be Jesus to our society, to live out his teaching, to follow in his footsteps, loving others as he first loved us. Now, we heard last week, if you were with us last week in the morning, a good example of this, when Canon Andrew White, the vicar of St. George's Church in Baghdad, came and spoke to us here in Norwich. He spoke of the mother's union in his church, a group of women who act in the love of Jesus, how they serve people of all races and all religions, how they bring help to the poor and the destitute, healing to the sick, bringing love of Jesus to all those in need. Andrew stated that they are the centre of his church, spreading the love of Jesus, which brings many Muslims to Christ. But we too this Easter, can show Jesus' love, can't we? The love that took him to that cross by the way we care and love for those in our community, reaching out to those in need. So then, what is going to be our response tonight to the crucifixion of Jesus? And how will this affect us as we go through Easter this year? Well, I would challenge you to read, if you've got time this Easter, one of the gospel accounts of the life and death of Jesus. Because we read of how Jesus' teaching, his preaching, his miracles, all points to his claims to be the Son of God. And then we read of his willingness to die on the cross to take the price for our sin. The Lamb bearing away the sin of the world. The weight of our guilt, our shame, our corruption, our disobedience, our rebellion against God's way. These became his. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter wrote later in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And this fulfills the prophecies found in the Old Testament. Having recognised it, of course, this calls for a response. We can't ignore Jesus' actions and claims. We can reject them or we can accept them and respond to them. If we recognise and believe them, this will then lead us on to discipleship, the way of the cross, which means giving up ourselves for others for the sake of God's kingdom, working for Jesus, being Jesus for our communities and friends. And we will want to share in this message of Jesus, with those that we meet each day. We read in Mark 14, verse 61, the high priest asks him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, replies Jesus. So how do we respond this Easter time to that claim? Well, if you haven't responded to Jesus' death for your sins, tonight might be the time for you. Jesus calls us to confess our sins, to ask for forgiveness and believe that his death on that cross will take the price for them. Jesus asks us to respond to him, to believe that he is God's son. Well, if you want to do that tonight, there will be opportunities for you. You can talk to Alan or myself, or you can come from prayer at the front, that we normally have. It's an opportunity. Let's not take this opportunity and let it go away. Let us rejoice together that Jesus did go to that cross, that dreadful place of sin and suffering. But let's rejoice that he died once and for all, for all in the world. And that next week we can come back and rejoice that he was raised from the dead and promises to return again one day. Amen.